you'd be surprised. You would be surprised. But today on For the Love of Sports, we did it. Mm-hmm. Eight divisions, I think only in 10 days, which I think is pretty impressive. It's a testament to my friends and how much they actually wanted to do this, which was pretty fun. We would have done it in eight straight days, but Derek decided to get drunk on a Sunday, which I can respect. It was like 75 degrees in Cleveland. So mm-hmm. it is what it is. We appreciate him and his effort. He did a couple. Justin, I think this is your fourth one you've done. Mm-hmm. Um, been been doing a lot of them. It's been a lot of fun, but appreciate it. This is the last one. How was it, Justin? Did you have a good time? Oh, I had a great time. Um, it, it's funny because I think I've listened to every single second. I I only saw about twenty minutes of Jared's, um, so mm-hmm. I'll have to go back through and watch because he did the AFC East. Um, yes. I, I caught I caught the, the Patriots part of it, so um, I'll have to go back through and kind of see what he said about the rest of the divisions. But well, I mean, if you only listen to the twenty first twenty minutes, you actually didn't catch all of the Patriots. There's probably another twenty five minutes of Patriots talk in there as well. So I it was fun. Uh, yeah. I was driving and I listened. It was just Patriots the entire time. So I can only nope. assume there was more before and after. It, it was about Patriots for 45 <laughs> minutes. So uh, it was impressive. Jared did an incredible job. I appreciate him and what he's done and how he did it. So um, it was it was good. He was incredible. Derek, Nick, obviously. I had my buddy Sean Tepper on. We appreciate him. Sweet Flash Man really did a great <laughs> job covering that one up. Trying to push your brand out, Mike. Sorry. Love it. Appreciate you, bud. Appreciate you. And we are on the last one. We are on the NFC North. I didn't really do these in any order, honestly, mm-hmm. so I don't know what that means. But I do think we may have saved the best team for last, um, just in terms of what the hell is going on. But I guess as a whole, how did you feel the NFC North did, I guess... Last year, obviously, we had the Packers making the NFC Championship game. They got blown out, but whatever. The Vikings were in the playoffs. They made it to the divisional round. They lost. Who did the Vikings lose to? I can't remember. They beat the Saints, and then they lost to the Packers? Uh, the 49ers. The 49ers. 49ers. Yeah. yeah, they yeah, yeah. The, so they both got beat, beat the crap out of by the 49ers. The Bears were a travesty, and it was hysterical. <laughs> and the Lions were the third worst team in the league. Um, Matthew Stafford went down with a back injury, so that might have had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was definitely something. And honestly, they beat the Giants, so they probably were better than the Giants, just how the draft works out, I guess. So it's interesting. So how did you feel, I guess as a whole, how did you feel the division did last year? And what do you think, again, as a whole, they could do coming into this offseason? Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, the Bears had high expectations. They it, For them, it was Super Bowl or bust. And they came mm-hmm. out and they, it, you could see that it, most of it fell on Mitchell Trubisky and his shoulders, and he crumbled. Um, yes. I understand that the offense moved the ball much better the previous year, and it was from everything that I follow with the bears was because he was able to use his legs to extend plays mm-hmm. and to pick up some first downs or just, just, just from running the ball with him. Um, and then I'm, you bring in a guy like David Montgomery. Um, you kind of expect him to really take the reins and kind of mm-hmm. handle that, the loaded offense. And I mean, granted, he looked like a pretty good running back and he, I, I forget what his forced tackles were, but he's always among the top, uh, top 10 or so. I remember from his, his days at Iowa state with, with PFX rankings, um, of, of like forced tackles. It was some phenomenal number for a guy his size. Um, and he came into the league and did the same thing. The problem is, is the offense was so inept because Mitchell Trubisky couldn't push the ball down the field. Um, it was it was alarming mm-hmm. how bad they were, though, considering when they came in the, the previous year. I mean, he, I think, if I'm not mistaken, had one of the highest handles, betting totals, yep. to for win the MVP. The MVP. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say that. And it's just he completely crumbled isn't even the word and it was immediately it was from the start i think they played the packers in that sunday night game and the packers adrian amos who if i'm not mistaken was on the bears the previous year was like yeah if we could just get mitch to play quarterback we thought we'd win yeah. and everyone was like oh shit yeah oh we're in for something and uh they they absolutely were to say the least 
Yep. And you just keep going back to that 2017 draft class with Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. You're like, okay, but the Bears traded up for Mitch Trubisky. He did, they didn't stay at the third pick, but also no one was trading up to try and grab him. So I'm not sure who they were scared by, but I, I get it. If, if you see your quarterback, you want your quarterback, go get him. Um, it just turns out of the three choices, they they picked the wrong one. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, they, they clearly picked the wrong one. It's definitely, it's it's unfortunate, I guess, for the Bears. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's kind of, Mitch looked okay his freshman year, rookie year, whatever. And then his sophomore year, they're like, oh, okay, we got something. I think if at one point, like, he was actually considered good. Um, mm-hmm. And then everyone's like, all right, let's see what happens in the third year. And he was complete just ass. Yeah, and bad. now this year, obviously, they brought in Nick Foles. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, but yeah, I mean, just in, just the Bears obviously had high expectations. The Packers had high expectations. The Vikings had high expectations. High, yep. The Vikings expectations were weird, though, because they were coming from a place of they, they were pretty bad the previous year, if I'm not mistaken. They were like eight and eight, nine and seven. They weren't that great. Uh-huh. Everyone thought they were going to be really, really good last year. They come into this year. They're significantly better. They actually start running the ball again. And then obviously the Packers always have high expectations. If Aaron Rodgers is healthy, they should go to the playoffs essentially. And the, bear, or the, the Lions just suck. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, just, just going off of what you said, I mean, obviously the Vikings, uh, once again, Go looking forward to this season. They're going to have high expectations again. I mean, Kirk Cousins is a, is a good, not great quarterback. He'll do enough to not lose the game most of the time. Um, I, I mean, we'll, we'll kind of see what he does going into this year without a guy like Stefan Diggs. Um, but they, they added a first-round talent in Jeff, Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson, so we'll, obviously we'll talk a little bit into that. And the Lions, I, I just don't get it. I, they, they draft a running back early. They have a couple decent running backs already on their team. Actually, they drafted two running backs. Uh, they drafted another, like a scat back in the fifth round, I believe. Um, so, uh, I mean, the NFC North, they just beat each other up every mm-hmm. year. And there, it always seemed to kind of, it's just like Packers, Vikings, Bears, and then the Lions are just down there at the bottom. Uh, just trying to find their way out of, that, out of the gutter of the NFC North. Yes, but forever and always, Dez didn't catch it. Um, so I think that's pretty important. He sh- they shouldn't even have made it to that game against the Packers. They should have just lost the previous one against the Lions because that was not a pass interference. But then Dez didn't catch it, and I think that's the most important part. So, yeah, let's just go right into the Lions. A um, couple people they added. Uh, you want to say that first name? Halapali yep. Vitae. Oh, that's a fun name. Halapali Vitae. Uh, they brought in Jamie Collins. That's another it's a Bill Belichick disciple doing Bill Belichick uh-huh. things. Desmond Trufant coming over from the Falcons after they got rid of Darius Slay. They traded him away. Uh, they brought in Chase Dan- Okay, they brought in Chase Daniel. That's fine. Uh-huh. Danny Shelton, uh, same thing, coming from that Patriots um, offense. How do you think going into the draft? I mean, obviously, when you're picking top three, there's a lot of needs. But what were some of the most pressing needs that they had going into the draft? They very after they 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 traded away Darius Slayton. That, that, that's a key thing because you, you just traded away a a number one corner in a cornerback driven league where you need you need mm-hmm. a number one corner. Um, I understand they brought in Desmond Trufant. He he did not have a couple good years at the Falcons, so um, clearly there's still talent there. And then they they went with their first pick and they grabbed Jeffrey Okuda. Mm-hmm. Um, so so they addressed the cornerback uh, position right away. They they they. It was a need that they needed to yeah. address, and the the need matched the talent at, the, at their pick. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, they they just kind of dove right into it. They 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 need defense. Matt Patricia's defense is ranked among the worst in the league since he's taken over this team. Um, you still have Matthew Stafford, who uh, I mean, I still think he's a, he's a very good, very capable quarterback. Mm-hmm. He's getting up there in age. He's starting to have these injury histories because he keeps getting beat up. So mm-hmm. they they need to do a better job protecting him. 
and just keep keep giving him talent around him. Like he has Kenny Galladay. All right, cool. And then you have a bunch of running backs that just can't stay healthy now. Theo Riddick mm-hmm. got hurt. Carryon Johnson got hurt. It's like, all right, cool. Um, so I, I don't know. It, it, it's definitely going to be an interesting year for them. Um, I mean, I can't see them winning more than six games again. It's just mm-hmm. like a, a brutal division for them. Um, I mean, we're all excited about the hopefully the uh, the league schedule coming out tomorrow. We can kind of start mm-hmm. looking at the matchups and kind of seeing where they can rank. But I mean, it's it's going to be difficult for them to do better than six, seven games. So six, yeah, seven I, I think they're definitely going to finish in the bottom again. And I like the fact that you brought up theoretic in case anyone out there is curious, Justin tackled theoretic in high school and theoretic actually wasn't even on the lines last year. He was on the Broncos. So that's just Justin's yeah. slight plug. He just wanted to let everybody <laughs> know that he tackled theoretic because he knew if he brought up theoretic that I have, I have an obligation, a contract signed, I guess, to just talk about how he tackled him one time. Well, you let me do the AFC school. West. So I have to throw it in there. Well, no, exactly. We have to get it. We have to get it in in some way, shape, or form. Um, they did lose a couple people, as you said. You know, Graham Glass. Now he actually left uh, part of that offensive line. Devon Kennard, mm-hmm. in he is a linebacker, and that's as uh, high praise I can give him. Ashawn Robinson leaving, as well as Tavon Wilson. So again, they they have holes. You're not picking in the top three without a massive amount of holes. Now I will say, I don't think they were one of the three worst teams in the league. Again. Right. They, um, oh, Jeremy did not know that you tackled Theoretic. Yeah, Jeremy, there you go. Yeah, I'll tell you I'm about sure. it next time too. <laughs> um, but no, picking in the top three again, they beat the Giants. So, I mean, not to say that that's too much, but Matthew Stafford did go down, I think about halfway through the year. And from there, it was kind of a joke. I do think they have the capabilities. I think, you know, so picking here again, they have a lot of holes, obviously, but mm-hmm. I don't think they were the third worst team in the league, I guess, if that makes sense due to quarterback sure. um, injury. So just getting into it, as you said, Jeffrey Okuda out of Ohio state round one, pick three. That was it. Like it was very easy. As you said, yeah. you're trading away Darius Slay. You're pretty much just taking a guy who's going to come in. The one thing we've seen with cornerbacks is it's very difficult. It's not the easiest, you know, the, the, the most important positions in quarterback left tackle defensive line, uh, specifically edge rusher and cornerback. One of them is okay. You can make that transition relatively easily. And that's defensive end. We've seen it with both the Bosa's we're assuming we're going to see it with chase young cornerback quarterback and left tackle are not the easiest to transition. in. so what do you think it is about Jeffrey Okuda that not only he'll be successful, but he'll be successful quicker than someone like say Deandre Baker. Yeah, he well, the the talents there, and especially coming from a um, DBU, I guess we can call Ohio State yeah. now. Like they're 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 incredible putting out just defensive talent. I, I mean, we'll tell Derek, I, but I agree with you. Yeah, um, I mean NFL talent in general. They're they're just they're 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 becoming a powerhouse. They're becoming this new Alabama, and they're putting out these these players that are producing in the NFL, unlike some of the other colleges, some of the other schools that we've been watching for years. Um, I, I mean, you you can take. I mean, both Bosa's and Chase Young. Wow! Like, could you imagine a team with just those players? Could you imagine Ohio State's team in five years if they if they kept all those players at college and then just oh my goodness it became an NFL school? Like that talent right there. Think of all the corners that they've had. Think of the quarterbacks that they're putting out right mm-hmm. now, especially with Justin Fields coming out next year. Um, so I, I mean, you're just looking at a at a school that just keeps putting out talent, and I mean, they have the track record. So. It's not so much that it's the position; it, it's because of the place that it's coming from. Like they're just mm-hmm. well-coached, well-schooled players with the talent. So when those two things kind of combine—the talent and and the uh, the, the coachability—you mm-hmm. um, just create like these perfect players. And, and that's they what, come you know, out. That's, that's what you get in Jeffrey Okuda. Yeah, they come out and they succeed more often than they do not. At least, especially these high-round picks. You know, it's it's crazy again to think about. What that t- I, I remember I saw the tweet like right around the draft and it was like, here's Ohio State's 2015 team. 
mm-hmm. and it was just stacked. And you're like, how the hell is this possible? I don't even think Chase Young was on the team yet because he wasn't he wasn't a commit till 16 or 17, if I'm not right. mistaken, because he was only there for three years. And it was still just completely stacked. And it's like, oh my goodness, this team would have dominated in the NFL right now. And you, mm-hmm. you know, you really already made that point. So, I mean, I don't know how much more we have to talk about Jeffrey Okuda. He's going to come in, he's going to start on one of those sides. And, you know, they're probably going to test him early and then they're going to find out, okay, can we keep testing him? Or is he going to be the guy that we should stay away from? So we'll see. How that the goes. nice thing is they do have, he does have Jasmine Trufant that he can mm-hmm. lean on. So, exactly. so you have an experienced veteran corner that, that can obviously teach him the things that he needs to do. And it's not like Okuda's taking his job or anything. Okuda will probably get matched up against the number two talent until, mm-hmm. until proven otherwise. Um, yeah. But I mean, Matt Patricia could probably do a lot with some of the defensive players like Jamie Collins that he brought in. Um, and then you have these two corners that, I mean, they could both, technically be shut down corners. Mm-hmm. That's when True was earlier in his career. Mm-hmm. And there's kind of like injuries and just or maybe it looks kind of like he just looks lethargic. He didn't look like he was enjoying his time in Atlanta. So um we'll we'll kind of see what uh what what they can put together here. Yeah, see what happens there. And one thing I will say, I know they traded away Darius Slay, but mm-hmm. looking a little deeper into his numbers he the last couple years especially he was not the Darius Slay that we remember um so we'll we'll see what happens maybe that trade ends up being good because they were able to snag a couple picks from the Eagles they signed him to a big deal and they can just replace him with Jeffrey Okuda and now you have him for five years a third and a fifth is crazy like really that's that's really all you get like Jalen Ramsey I understand that Jalen Ramsey I I mean it's tier one tier two and and Slay isn't that far off of Jalen Ramsey so uh I mean Jalen Ramsey I don't think also should have gotten well well, okay here's the other thing you get Jalen Ramsey for a year and a half if you're the Rams and you do that yeah you they had to sign Slay right. to a deal because I right. think he was at the he was the, his contract was expiring so they had yep. to do something so a little different um Ramsey is also you don't have to pay him big money for another year and a half right he's uh-huh. on that controllable aspect side they're gonna pay him a lot of money and we'll see what happens but I see it, it is a it is a very weird concept so uh-huh. we'll see what happens so then you already alluded to it as well round two pick 35 DeAndre Swift running back out of Georgia yep uh, they have carry on Johnson. You're higher on him than I am. I think he's okay. You think he's pretty damn good. We'll see what happens there. But what, like, why the hell are they doing this? They have so many other holes. Running back should be the icing on the cake at this point in the NFL. You have decent running backs on your roster already too, unless they just do not believe in carry on Johnson at all. He's been injured a little bit. That's yeah. Where the hell does this pick come from? And why so early? I think it's because the Lions, and they haven't said anything yet, or at least I haven't seen anything yet, but I think it's because the Lions had Swift so high on their big board that when they picked in round two, it's like, okay, like he's there. We have mm-hmm. to take him. Yeah. Um, I, and it's funny because I, I, I keep thinking about it. I keep thinking about it. I'm like, okay, when the, when the Vikings, when they were drafting Adrian Peterson, a lot of people were calling not to draft him because they had Chester Taylor. It's like, okay, <sighs> you have Chester Taylor, but you have this all-time potential all-time running back coming out of Oklahoma. Mm. His only knock was injury history, which, I mean, yes, that's a big one, especially one running was back. A collarbone, though, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah it was. He just was, got landed on weird. It was some weird. It was some weird ones, but yes, and obviously, who knows? But the running back position, you need to be a tough, gritty sob. Um, otherwise, you're, you're just not going to pan out in the league. Um, but but they went and they they took probably the best player on their board, and you know what? Why the hell not? Karen Johnson's been hurt. Bo Scarbo is a a bruising running back who looked kind of okay. Ty Johnson. Um, and then they, I mean, they, they drafted a running back and Jason Huntley a little bit later. But the one thing that pissed me off is Bob Quinn. I believe is Bob Quinn. The GM of the Lions came out and said, we're going to do a, a running back by committee. Really? Like I, I've never been a fan of running back commi- by committee. I've, I mean, we see it work with the 49ers, but that's just because Kyle Shanahan has masterful at these mm. running games, uh, schemes that he, he draws up. Um, 
the Lions don't have that. They have Jim Bob Cooter as their offensive coordinator, and he just kind of likes to chuck the ball down the field with Matt Stafford. So um, unless they're really trying to transition to a run, like a power running game, which as noted by the two guards they drafted later in this draft, there's a possibility for that for them doing that. But I, it, it, I feel like they could have traded out of that spot, picked up a few more picks to add to a depleted roster and then kind of gone from there. But you know what? Maybe Swift comes out because, I mean, he was a first-round talent coming out. It's just the running back position is devalued. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you make a good point. We always kind of say, well, why the heck do they grab him here? Well, if they had him 20-something on their board overall and they're picking at 39 and they see him there, like, how do you not jump at that opportunity? How do you not mm-hmm. say, hell yeah, let's go? And I get it. You know, it, it makes sense and you got to do what you got to do when it comes to that stuff. But I just don't, I, get, I agree with you. I mean, J.K. Dobbins was on the board till 55. Now, maybe yeah. they saw Swift was significantly better than him. I'm not a talent scout. I thought Dobbins was better personally, uh, Mm -hmm. but that's just, you know, that's just me. So I don't know. We'll see. And I guess we will, we will see moving forward on kind of how that's going to work out. And if it's going to be a running back back committee and I don't know, it doesn't make sense to me personally. And I I apologize, pick 35, not 39. You know, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. So in round three, 67 overall, they go with Julian Aquara edge out of Notre Dame. Um, older brother is also playing for the Detroit Lions, if I'm not mistaken. Originally, yeah, originally drafted by the Giants, um, let go in some capacity and now goes to the Lions. How do you think he is going to fit over there in the Lions on the Lions defense? Yeah, they 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 needed edge rushers. Um, I mean, Trey Flowers, uh, obviously, you big free agent signing kind of did all right last year. Um, you you bring in Danny Shelton, who's more of a run stuffing defensive tackle. Um, John Atkins is kind of whatever their their defensive line depth is is kind of it's kind of mad at best. Um, and then obviously you, you bring in Jamie Collins who um, the way Bill Belichick used him was incredible, but every other person where Collins has ever gone, like with the Browns, he just, it, it never seemed to pan out. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure exactly what it was with Bill Belichick and, and Collins's relationship, but Belichick knew how to get the best out of him. So maybe going over to Patricia will help him a little bit because maybe they're going to kind of run the same schemes, but Belichick is just masterful at defense and, and using players in the way that he needs to use them week in and week out. Um, but Oquire, like that that edge rush that you just need, you need someone with some get off on on that defensive uh, that defensive end position because like Austin Bryant, Frank Heron, like you just have a bunch of guys, Deshaun Hand, Jonathan Wynn, like a bunch of uh, no name guys who just haven't really put together anything in their career. I love it. I love it, and you know we'll see what happens. Um, we'll see what happens when moving forward. And Sia, I guess he's he's a little late. Needs some answers. Yeah, he he's gonna need. But uh, we'll 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 touch. We'll we'll finish up. See, ya. we're gonna finish up on the Lions, and then that's gonna be the end of the Lions. Justin will tell us how he tackled Theo Riddick that one time, so more people can hear about it. Sure. But I, I agree. I mean, you need to build from an offensive standpoint. Um, so they went for three of the four most important positions in their top three picks, and four in their first five or however we want to say it. But I mean, cornerback and Okuda running back and Deandre Swift. We'll see what happens there getting an edge rusher out of Notre Dame. I mean, I know he wasn't really anywhere near the first round Julian Okwara was, but he definitely, he has the opportunity. He has the abilities coming from a big name school, at least. Um, I mean, I don't, can you name, can you name five defensive ends that came out of Notre Dame recently? Hmm off the top of my head no that's I what i mean like so that's the only thing like i don't know it's a we'll see I, I hope i hope it works and we'll see what happens but i don't know it's just it's something it's something mm-hmm. to just make note of uh round three pick 75 their fourth pick in the draft jonah jackson guard out of ohio state so yep. there we go as you said you're talking about that power run game and then We'll also bring it up to pick four, uh, round four, one twenty-one overall. Logan Stenberg, guard out of Kentucky, mm-hmm. are, are both of these potential? I mean, I assume the the gentleman from Ohio State more, but do both of these have the potential to kind of come in and start 
sooner rather than later, especially with them losing a, a guard in free agency? Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because I love both of these guards coming out of college. Um, I was really hoping that the Jaguars would actually draft both of them at some point. Just they, they went a little bit higher than I would have taken them, um, especially Stenberg. I really saw that Stenberg was more like a fifth round uh, depth guy who had the ability to um, kind of build upon mm. what he was putting together at Kentucky, like put together like a hell of a running game with Benny Snell a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, but he, Jonah Jackson, also Rutgers, Rutgers grad trad grad transfer oh, that's to, him? to Ohio that's State. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um so obviously improved his draft stock tremendously with the yeah. transfer to Ohio State. Um so I I mean they're, they're building this power run game. I mean both of those guys you're, you're drafting like these big powerful maulers in the game. Um Stenberg's a little bit more polished in the in pass pro um but like you're 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 getting two guys that can really just run the ball. You're gonna be able to run the ball up the gut especially and it's funny because this kind of justifies the DeAndre Swift Mm-hmm. pick at, at, in the second round um because now you have like this this formidable front that you're gonna kind of push the ball and we're gonna possibly see matt uh matthew Stafford put together the most efficient season of his career because they'll be doing a lot of play action passes they'll be doing a lot more things with the running game they'll kind of open the ball up and they'll be able to push the ball a little bit further down the field especially when you have those big targets like kenny galladay mm-hmm. yeah it's gonna be nice and matthew stafford you know again i don't agree with the pick but matthew stafford's never had a running back his entire career. I mean, they brought in, um, they drafted Amir, Amir Abdullah, if I'm not mistaken, out of Nebraska. He never did anything. Theoretic again is a specific. He's a third down back more than anything. I just, he never, Zach Zenner, I think, may at this point be <laughs> one of the best backs he's ever had no, on his team, no. which, come on, man. And maybe, no, no. you don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll check the tape. We'll check the tape on that sure. one. But I definitely think, you know, it again, if you can bring in these offensive linemen, you can protect Matt Stafford. I mean, he broke his back last year, if I'm not mistaken, in some capacity, one of the vertebrae. So, We'll see what happens, man. I don't know. I'm uh, the Lions. They're going to be the Lions. They're always going to be the Lions. And I, again, no matter what they really do, I don't think they're coming out of this anytime soon. Did you think um, some people had the consideration? Did you think they would ever actually draft Tua in, in any capacity? Because a lot of people kind of brought it up. They're like, Matt Stafford's kind of old. You have the opportunity to grab this next guy. Like, why not him? I really thought they would consider it. Um, but I get that Matt Patricia and. Um, Bob Quinn are in win now. Like they, they, mm-hmm. they, they can't put together another, another losing season. Uh, the ownership won't give them another chance at another season where they're, they're winning five or six games. There's just no way. Like they're going to get fired if they don't at least come close to sniffing mm-hmm. the playoffs. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there was some consideration, but at the same time, you're putting two out there with an offensive line that was pretty beat up last year and didn't look super great. Yep. And Matthew Stafford, who's a more durable quarterback than Tua was in his career, um, you, you, just, you wouldn't want to take that chance, especially with the possibility of you just getting fired the next season. It's not like it's going to buy you a couple extra years. Like I'm pretty sure you're already on the, you're already on the hot seat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And that's a really good point. Um, And that's the frustrating thing about the NFL is in certain situations, you kind of know, yeah, maybe this is the right thing to do, but then it comes down to everybody's job is on the line every single day. And if, you know, remember a couple of years ago when they beat the hell out of new England on like Monday or Sunday night and everyone's like, all right, here we go. And that was a, that was a joke. Nothing ever happened there. So it is what it is. So moving on to the fifth round, some more help for Matthew Stafford. It looks like most of this has been all, you know, other than cornerback out of, you know, Jeffrey Okuda out of Ohio state and Aquara out of Notre Dame, everything's been pretty offensive heavy so far, especially with some of these higher picks. So 166 overall fifth round Quintez Cephas Mm -hmm. wide receiver out of Wisconsin. Um, that is a, that's not a great note you have there. So I'll let you tell me why he went in the fifth round. Yeah. So I mean, the, there were a few things, but he did miss all 2018 with a sexual assault charges. The charges were dropped. Um, so, I mean, I'm not going to get into the legal matter because I, 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 I can't speak to the legal jargon. Um, 
Sia, who's watching right now, he's a lawyer, so maybe he can he can tell us about it one day. <laughs> if he wants to look it up, I, I, I don't want to misquote something. Um, then all of a sudden we're, we're getting yelled at. But yeah, um, and then he, he went to the, the combine, just had a terrible 40. He ran like a 4.73. Like he's a 6'1", 200-pound wide receiver. How are you running a 4.73? So mm-hmm. I understand that these guys didn't have pro days. A lot of times at the combine uh, – I don't want to give them the nerve aspect, like mm-hmm. the nerve factor, because you, yeah. this is like the most important job interview of your life. And I understand that people would be would be a little mm-hmm. a little nervous when they're going into it. But I mean, come on, man, that's that's a terrible forty. He never got a chance to build upon it. Like maybe if he ran like a four six something, um, mm-hmm. it would make sense because he has a he has a possession receiver. He's a guy that you're going to throw the ball to a lot. He's tough over the middle, pretty good hands. So just give him the ball and then kind of just help move the chains along a little bit. That way you can have Galladay kind of doing his thing on the outside, and that way you can mm-hmm. open up the middle, um, or you can kind of open it up deep down the field for him. Yep, absolutely. And, and we'll see what happens. I mean, if he can kind of just be, you know, as you said, that possession receiver and he can kind of just do what he needs to do. I think, you know, again, you're going to, you're going to find something in the offense because Galladay is clearly the number one there. And, you know, they're, who's their number two? Did you say it? I missed it. It's Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones. Okay. Yep. So he's yep. a weird number two. He'll have I mean, like three games where he's just blows yeah. up and then the rest of the season, he does nothing. It's very confusing. I mean, they, they do, they still do have Danny Amendola. He is the starting slot wide receiver as oh. of now, but I understand that he's been getting up there in age. So you want to kind of start looking towards the future, mm-hmm. even though you are on the hot seat a little bit, but you just want to keep adding talent. Um, yeah. uh, obviously Cephas had his troubles, but maybe, maybe he can kind of put together something a little special with the Lions next year. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. So then uh, a couple of these late round picks, fifth round overall, 172, Jason Huntley, uh, running back out of New Mexico State. Round six, 197, John Penasini, defensive tackle out of Utah. Round number seven, 235, Jay Sean Sean? Mm -hmm. Cornell, defensive tackle out of Ohio State. I guess they like those Ohio State boys. And then notable Undrafted free agent, you wrote down here, Hunter Bryant, tight end out of Washington. So tell me a little bit about some of these guys um, just off the cuff. Yeah, sure. So uh, we'll, start, we'll start with Huntley. Um, he, he is a theoretic type. He's like that, that 5'10", 185 pound scat back that, I mean, you, you kind of need that explosiveness out of the backfield. Um, I, I understand that DeAndre Swift is going to be a three down back, but it's kind of nice when you bring that, that yeah. change of pace person in there. It's someone like you don't have a guy like this on the roster. Um, they had great success with Theodore being there for all those years. So try and find a guy in his ball that you can maybe draft and develop mm-hmm. um, and, and also help out in the returning game a little bit too. Um, Penasini is, is just a giant run stuffing defensive tackle. There's not more, more much more to talk to about that. He, he's just going to kind of help clog up the middle, um, just add depth to the defensive line. Um, Cornell is an interesting one. Like he's going to play the three technique in the the, the line scheme. Um, he he was a like a he's like a, he was like I think six four two hundred eighty five pound defensive tackle. So he, I, I believe he actually played the the uh, the big defensive end on the other side of Chase Young when Chase Young mm-hmm. was kind of going after the ball. This guy's kind of holding the one side, just making sure that there's there's no runs coming his way. Um, uh, the the little note that I found about him is he actually went to the same school as Joe Maurer, um, the, the catcher for the, the the Twins, and Michael Floyd, who was a former receiver from the Cardinals. Um, so kind of cool, kind of seeing That's that pedigree cool. come from a yeah. high school. Um, and then Hunter Bryant, I, I really like the Hunter Bryant pick. I, I honestly, I still can't believe he went undrafted. Um, he was honestly on top 100 of most mm-hmm. people's big boards. Um, so I'm not sure if it was like the interview process, if something else happened, um, if there's just kind of more that we don't know. But I mean, as far as I can tell, I haven't seen anything to kind of knock the guy's character. Um, I mean, he, he, he was a good tight end at Washington, especially for a school that, I mean, Jacob Eason was kind of slinging mm-hmm. the ball around like you had this big tight end that was constantly open over the middle. We got to, we got to see the answers there. 
yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. See, I will read that so everybody uh, does get it. And I want everyone to know it's Sia Najad is telling us at Sia Najad on Twitter. But yeah, I mean, I think um, I, I was confused. I'll be honest. I don't watch too many Washington games, so I don't know that much about Hunter Bryant. But I did see his name come up a lot. And I think maybe one factor of that is pretty much the entire third day, he was in Mel Kuyper's top 10 left. Um, and that's usually something that when he's there, I mean, I'm not going to, you know, live and die by what Mel Kuyper says, but I definitely think, you know, he has some reasonable understanding of what's going on. Well, Dan Jarmara moved the sticks, all these guys. It was, yeah, I was gonna say, it wasn't just Mel Kuyper. It was like every single person mm-hmm. had them on like top 100, top 125 of their big board, which, I mean, it's the first couple of rounds of the draft. Like how did this guy yeah. go undrafted? And were, yes. were the Lions the only team that that put in a claim for him to 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 bring him into the roster? Like the the Lions just drafted T.J. Hawkinson um, with their first round pick last year, like a top ten pick. Um, I get it though. Like you, mm-hmm. you bring in bring in talent. Like you you bring in guys exactly. that you think are going to help produce, and he's definitely one of those guys that can that can stick in the league for a bunch of years, just being a good pass catching tight end. There you go. That's all you need now. I mean, that's that's what teams love, especially you know. Um... Uh, with the Belichick model with Patricia, uh, it's something that makes sense. So uh, we were talking about Quintez Cephas and the sexual assault charges. So Sia, I appreciate you helping out, but Cephas went to trial and was acquitted by a jury within an hour. That's a very short deliberation, which indicates that the two female claim claimants claimants. Yeah. Thank you. were not believed <laughs> at all by the jury. Also the fact that he went to trial instead of taking some sort of plea deal on lesser charges means he and his attorney definitely believed in their case that combined with the short jury deliberation conveys to me, Sia, that the charges were <laughs> quite dubious. Oh, coming in with that lawyer talk, Sia, we <laughs> always appreciate you and your help, man. And so I think that's very important. And because Sia helped us out, um, well, first let's say, how do you think the Lions did overall in, uh, in their draft this year? They they address the needs that they had, and that's that's pretty much as much as you can ask for them. Like they, there's only so many picks that you have unless you're trading back and acquiring multiple picks. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, do they do enough to help push themselves into a playoff position? No, I just don't think there's enough talent on the roster. Could DeAndre Swift come in and kind of change how that offense looks? Absolutely, he can come in and. 1,400 yards, catches the ball pretty well out of the backfield, decent amount of touchdowns, um, can kind of open the game up for the rest of the the, the team and, and really make that offense kind of flutter or flourish. But uh, that that defense just doesn't look good. I mean, unless unless Okuda and Trufant put up like this, like they if all of a sudden they become like this quarterback tandem that's like one-two in the league, that, uh, it's difficult to see them having a, a guy in there on their team get more than 10 sacks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't know. Six wins is kind of the ceiling that I see for them. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't think they'll be very good. So uh, tell Sia, Justin, and everybody listening the time about uh, that one time you tackled Theo Riddick. <laughs> sure. So uh, I believe it was my junior year because we were actually at Immaculata. And Immaculata is a high school that was one of our, um, I went to Hunter and Central uh, in, in Flemington, New Jersey. So um, Immaculata was actually one of our rivals. They weren't in our conference, but it was another school that was like on par with how good we were because we were constantly in the state championships. Um, I think all four years I was there, we were in the states all four years we won mm-hmm. it my freshman year we lost my that's fine nobody year. cares about 100 okay, essential sure, when sure, did you sure. tackle tier <laughs> yeah so uh it was actually on kickoff um i wasn't very good so i didn't play a whole lot but i, I got in on kickoff towards the end of the game and the i, I was running down and all of a sudden i all of a sudden theoretically just kind of just there and uh, for people that don't know theoretically like he's this like, incredible scat back like it's impossible to tackle him. 
he juked into me as I was kind of like falling into him. So I just kind of like wrapped his legs up and then I forget who it was. Someone came from behind me and just laid him out. But I was like, okay, so I wrapped him into his legs. So I get the first part of the tackle. I think it's yep. not a solo tackle, but I'll, I'll take it. It's a tackle in the uh, stat, stat category. And I will tell but everybody about it. Do not I, worry. I do remember getting up and being like, whoa, I just tackled Theo Riddick. And then he stood up in front of me. I was like, I'm taller than this dude. Like it's it's funny because like hearing about this kid like uh, all throughout New Jersey like everyone mm-hmm. knew who he was like he was like this incredible athlete going to Notre Dame to play Notre wide Dame, receiver, yeah. um, but it was like whoa like he's not that big but you know what he was he was he was strong he, he, he was he was yeah he was a, he was a thick kid but um, yeah pretty pretty That's great awesome. career for him I do love it it's a it's a story that I will uh, elaborate and uh, hyperbolize for the rest of my life so I'm excited <laughs> for it and uh, Nick you are right Matt Patricia has been practicing ukulele. So I do think that has given him some um, extra level of confidence moving into the uh, rest of the season. So we'll see what happens there. So moving on from the Lions, we'll go on to the Bears, finish third in the division. Many people had them going to the, to the playoffs at a minimum, potentially going to the Super Bowl, and they were bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, they traded their first, they traded multiple firsts away, and one of them was Khalil Mack, so they didn't actually get uh, their first round this year. They trade their fourth was to get David Montgomery. So that was for last year. Their fifth was for Nick Foles, which that again is ridiculous. So yeah, they bring in Nick Foles. They add Robert Quinn on, which just seemed to me like was a ridiculous deal. And then they followed that up with an even more ridiculous deal to Jimmy Graham. They at least restructured Nick Foles deal. I guess they lost Kyle long to retirement, Nick Wachowski, uh, Leonard Floyd and haha Clinton Dix all to free agency. I mean, before all the craziness, uh, you know what? Screw it. Let's just get into the craziness. I mean, <laughs> do you think Robert Quinn was worth five years, seventy million dollars? After he hasn't really. I mean, he was good last year, mm-hmm. but was he great last year? Like, I don't think he was worth that much money. What was he? I don't know. He he, he played well on a Cowboys roster that had Demarcus Lawrence kind of ga- yep. garnering all of the attention. And it's funny because he'll be going to the, a similar type situation where mm-hmm. Khalil Mack will be once again the center of attention. It's the the key is to not let Mack ruin the game plan um so all of a sudden like you you definitely bolster their offense because robert quinn as a as a as a second defensive end like the, the, the rushing the opposite of khalil mack that's that's great like why mm-hmm. would you not want a guy like that that's going to come in and immediately help the uh, just just help the defense overall especially for a defense that was so stout last year only problem was Mitchell Trubisky and the offense was so bad. So that the defense was constantly on the mm-hmm. field um so they looked tired their stats obviously get a little skewed because of that but I don't know. I, I like the pick. I just don't understand how he flipped a coin between the two spots that he oh. wanted to go to in Atlanta. And he was like, okay, I'm going to go to Chicago instead of Atlanta. Like, all right. Like, so you really just didn't care. They offered you the yeah. same deal. And you, I mean, I, I guess looking at it, I would pick the bears. I wouldn't flip a coin and then just fl- get the bears. I wouldn't tell anybody I flipped a coin. <laughs> like I yeah. might've flipped the coin, but I don't actually tell anybody. I also would have went to Atlanta, live in a dome, warm city, but that's a me thing. So yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's, it's it's not the fact that he did it it's that he How came out it. and said it like yeah. it's like dude what are you doing like just a little bit of self-awareness there is probably something you need so that is something uh jimmy graham uh, we are both in agreement on this one jimmy graham sucks and this <laughs> dude just keeps making money so respect to him like i'm an, i'm not going to try and take a single dollar away from him but the fact that people keep paying him money is insane to me yeah yeah, especially for the deals that he's been getting too. But and, and it's weird, especially for for the Bears having like they 11? saw him up close and pro- well. Now it's, it's down to nine. They they've cut off oh, a couple guys. Tight ends. Ends. Um, and there were obviously there were nobody's. But I mean, I can read off a list of tight ends. But it's like they, we'll they drafted that. Adam Shaheen. 
Um, so uh, like, what are you doing? Like tight end is a, I guess a depth, like you're, you're, you have a very strong unit right now at tight end, but hell it's tight end. Like there's many other positions that you need Mm -hmm. in this roster quarterback, especially, um, I, but I, I get it. Like you trade for Nick Foles. Nick Foles is best friend at tight ends. Uh, Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, they 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 got rid of Trey Burton last year. I forgot about him. Um, so I don't know. Like, what the hell are they doing with all these tight ends? Ryan Pace must really love them, or Adam Gase, or uh, not Adam Gase. Uh, Matt Nagy must really just love tight ends. But uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I don't it makes it. it makes no sense to me. This, the fact that he keeps getting paid money is just insane to me. And then also they trade for Nick Foles. I know you were happy about it. I thought it was a fourth. You used to have here that's a fifth. I'll take your word for it. You're the Jaguars fan. Um, the fact that they trade for him while Jameis Winston, Cam Newton, and Andy yep. Dalton all became available in the offseason. Was it? just ineptitude on the bears part which probably was it they were worried that they weren't going to get their guy i mean why would they Mm -hmm. give away a draft pick when in reality they all they didn't they 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 didn't even have to pay him that much money james wins is making 1.1 million dollars this year yeah especially for a team that you would think is like they're very close in the salary cap and if all of a sudden and if if all of a sudden mitchell trubisky comes out and has a great year next year what do you do about Nick Foles' contract? Like, I understand they kind of restructured a little bit, but yeah. you're still going to have a bunch of dead cap next year um, uh, to go along with Max deal, Quinn's deal. Like, all, you have like all the, I mean, the, I think Kyle, I, I forget how the, the day cap works for retired players, but I think Kyle Long's um, dead cap still applies mm-hmm. to next season. So it's, it's funny how it still kind of screws over teams once, once, a, once a player retires. Um, so I, I don't know. We'll, 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 we'll kind of see what they do, but, I mean, as a Jaguars fan, I was I was excited. I was ecstatic. I, I I was happy when they brought in Nick Foles. I was hoping there were other guys. Like, I mean, Alex Smith was the guy that I've been wanting for the past couple of years, especially with that 2017 defense. That was mm-hmm. the, that was the guy that I wanted. So, I understand that you you kind of go after Nick Foles, the guy who's won a Super Bowl. Um, I mean, at, at the end of the day, he seems like a great guy. He's a good mm-hmm. locker room guy. Um, players really like him, so it's not like he's going to come in like instantly take Mitch Trubisky's job. He's going to push him, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, he's still going to coach him up and teach him. Um, just because he's an ultimate team player. Yeah, I think he takes Mitchell Trubisky's job day one, um, and they don't look back. I think they are just going to not even play him unless it's a necessity at this year, but we'll see what happens. So they did lose some other players on the defense as well, but let's just get into it. So as you said, they have a million tight ends. They signed Jimmy Graham. So of course, their first pick, round two, 43 overall, they picked Cole Komet, (sighs) tight end out of Notre Dame. Um, I don't know. Like, it just doesn't make sense. I don't get it. They paid this guy who's not good money, and then they use their first most important pick on a tight end. Why don't they just do one or the other? I just I just don't get it, man. It makes no sense. Yeah, I, I don't get it either, especially when, like, you do have some other needs. Like, you you have some, you, you kind of have a need at left tackle. Um, right guard is kind of whatever. So, like, offensive line you definitely could have used an upgrade on. So, you add an after another tight end. So, what does he kind of help block a little bit more? Like, does it, is that kind of what they're, they're planning on doing? Are they still going to use like a lot of two tight end sets? But the problem is when you have a roster, you just drafted Adam Shaheen. Um, you draft Cole Komet. You sign Jimmy Graham to a stupid deal. Um, and then you have like Demetrius Harris and like a few other guys that will, will make the roster. And I mean, granted, they have nine now, but they'll cut it down to like five or so. But still, like, why are you bringing in and paying all these tight ends that you mm-hmm. don't need right now? Um, you need a left tackle. You need a right guard. Um, you, you need some more receivers that can kind of open the game up for Mitch Trubisky or or Nick Foles, whoever plays quarterback next year. Or hell, draft another freaking quarterback. Why, mm-hmm. <laughs> why, why not take the the most position, most important position in sports? 
um, for a team that's already built to win right now. The only thing they need is a quarterback. The rest of the roster is decent enough. Um, obviously, you, you can get by with how the offensive line is built together right now, especially with the Kyle Long retirement. But I, I, I just don't get it. Like, the, does Ryan Patience love tight ends? Uh, I don't know. It, it was one of the picks know. that it 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 infuriated me when they did it. Because it was like, okay, cool. Cole Komet, pretty good tight end. He'll go somewhere that, that the team will utilize him correctly. All right, cool. Go to the freaking Bears where you're just going to get lost in the depth chart and mm-hmm. you're never going to see the light of day. Exactly. It's it's ridiculous. You know they're going to have to – they're going to play Jimmy Graham, right? You don't sign him to that much money. I don't know the exact details of the contract, but it was it was more than he absolutely should have gotten, <laughs> not even a question. So it's just – it's confusing. It's ridiculous. But now I kind of only expect it from the Bears. I kind of expect these things. So it is what it is. Um, so moving on round two, pick 50, uh, so they had two second round picks relatively close to each other as well. Jalen Johnson, cornerback out of Utah, mm-hmm. a lot of people had him going in the first round, if I'm not mistaken. I know there was a million, um, secondary people out of coming out of secondary players, defensive back safeties coming out of Utah in this, this draft in particular, but I did notice a lot of people had him going in the first round. Why do you think he slipped and why do you think the bears took him where they did? Yeah, so a lot of it comes from the injury history, and especially for a cornerback where the Bears, the corners that they bring in, they need to be able to tackle. It's not like you're going to go out and draft a tackle or draft a corner that that isn't going to like like CJ Henderson for the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Just kind of just to to put it on top of myself, um, you, you draft a guy who is a very good cover corner, can can run with any any receiver out there. But when it comes to tackling, he's not the greatest at it, or is he? And he's also not willing to do it. Mm-hmm. Jalen Johnson is willing, his body doesn't handle it well. And especially for with the way a lot of corners, like a lot of corners, they're not as big as some, especially with some of these running backs coming out there now. The way the tight end position is changing, how big and fast some of these wide receivers are, you need to be able to tackle. Mm-hmm. When you have a history of shoulder injuries, that doesn't bode well for the future because you're using your shoulders to make most of these tackles. You're wrapping up, and a lot of times, if, if Derrick Henry is coming, oh, <laughs> if Derrick Henry is coming barreling down, what, what are you going to do? You can't step out of the way. You, you have to go and you have to find a way to tackle them. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, it, not, not to, not to bring myself up, but when I was playing corner in high school, I had, I'm not going to say I had a labrum injury, but I had shoulder problems and I found myself shying away from my left arm because my left arm was constantly hurting. So I would find ways to tackle with the right shoulder. And mm-hmm. that, that doesn't go well because if no. you're trying to guard the boundary, you need to be able to guard the boundary depending on how the running back's going to try and shake you off. So, um, but you know what, Jalen Johnson, he's, he's a great corner. Um, it, it's just the injury history that, that's mm-hmm. really going to uh, really drop him on a lot of people's draft boards. Yeah, and we'll see what happens. I mean, they did lose a safety in HaHa Clinton-Dix, but I mean, you, having cornerbacks is always, always a necessity in today's NFL. As we know, they're very, very uh, necessary. So now, as we said, they traded a bunch of stuff away. So now their last few picks, they're all fifth round or lower. So 155 overall, Travis Gibson, mm-hmm. edge dresser out of Tulsa, 163 overall. Kindle Vildor, man, they got some weird names. Cornerback <laughs> out of Georgia Southern, uh, and then another fifth round pick, one seventy three overall, Darnell Mooney, wide receiver out of Tulane. So they didn't really go Power Five too much um, right. in this draft. I mean, you got Notre Dame and Utah, and then Tulsa, Georgia Southern, and Tulane with their three fir- fifth round picks. How do you feel about any of these guys? How do you feel they fit? I mean, all of them. You know, the first two defensive, and then obviously grabbing another wide receiver is helpful. But that late, you don't know what the hell you're getting. For as much as I hated their second round picks, I love their fifth round picks. Like their fifth round picks honestly saved their whole draft. Like you, you get a fantastic athletic 
like raw pass rusher out of Travis mm-hmm. Gibson, who will immediately provide depth behind it off uh, behind a bunch of very great defensive ends. And mm-hmm. I mean, depending on how the, this defense shapes up, he could be one of the steals of the draft um, at, at that slot where they drafted him. And you drafted Vildor at Georgia Southern. Um, he, he's probably going to start his career kind of at slot corner, um, play a little nickel and kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, do whatever he can to make the roster and really start playing. But th- there's, there's opportunity for him to kind of grow and become an outside starting corner. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Mooney's a fast wide receiver, which you really need some explosivity on this, on the explosiveness. According to you. No, you, you showed me. Explosivity is a word. word. It, it flows on my mouth a little bit better. Um, but a guy that can go down the field and really can help open up this offense a little bit. And especially mm-hmm. also, also a little bit to the return game. And so, but with all three of those picks, I mean, Georgia Southern in particular, I mean, you're not really playing too many people at Tulane. Um, You're not really playing too many people at Georgia Southern. You're not really getting too much out of Tulsa. Is that why they went in the fifth round? Because you're not totally sure. I mean, it sounds like you're very high on most of their athleticism and their ability just against much, much lesser talent. Mm -hmm. Yes. No, exactly. Like, it, it just kind of happens that way. Like you, you find these small school prospects and they, that's, that's why you don't see guys from Tulane going in the first round. Like you just don't mm-hmm. see that just because of the level of competition they were playing. But I, it was funny because I'll, I'll bring up one of your, uh, one of the other podcasts that you had the other day. Um, I, I think it was with Jared, but you, you sometimes these smaller school guys, they, they come in and mm-hmm. they, they kind of grow into their bodies when they kind of get to college. Um, I, I knew a kid from high school. He was five foot six freshman, sophomore, junior, senior year. Freshman year of college, he grew eight inches. He was six foot four and he put on, uh, I think it was 45 pounds. And it's funny because he got cut every year at, in high school playing wide receiver. He, he was just, he, was, he wasn't big. He wasn't fast. He wasn't good at anything. And all of a sudden he became like this athletic freak. And he's like, I think, I think he was like on the recreational uh, volleyball team for uh, <sighs> what school he went to, but it's like, Oh son, he kind of just like grew into his body. And he just became like this absolute, like I, I saw him at my high school reunion. I'm like, what the hell happened to you, man? Um, so th- that's just kind of the way it goes with some of these players. I lo- and it happens. It's unfortunate, uh, but I really do appreciate you reliving the glory days uh, back in high school and how much fun you had. But it, it's true. I mean, Derek did bring it up. A lot of these guys, especially going to smaller schools, they clearly have some sort of ability and grasp of the game. It's just they might not be as athletic freaks like a lot of the guys that are going to any of these power five schools, essentially. Uh, so it's definitely something that makes sense. And, you know, hopefully they they do pan out for the Bears. But Again, I want to see all these guys get paid. I think that's the most important part. And then they had two picks in the seventh round, 226 overall, Arlington Hambright, offensive mm-hmm. tackle out of Colorado. What a name. And 227, <laughs> uh, Lachavius Simmons. My yep. goodness. Th- this was probably the all-name draft yep. uh, easily. But uh, how do you feel about these guys, offensive tackle and guard, mm-hmm. trying to fortify that line a little bit with seventh-round picks? Yeah, in its depth. I mean, yeah. <laughs> You draft Hambright out of Colorado. He he played left tackle. He played right tackle. So a guy that you can kind of use as a rotational piece. And then Simmons is just a, a guard out of Tennessee State. So you're basically adding to what I said. Well, you need a left tackle. You need mm-hmm. a right guard. Um, and all, so you waited till the end of the draft to draft to grab two guys to do yeah. that. So I, I was a little confused with where they selected them. But you know, with the way their fifth round kind of slotted up it was like okay well you grabbed great talent at that point so maybe you grab some depth pieces that you can maybe kind of grow and bolt into players that will end up playing for them eventually Hmm. and so i mean it sounds like they did a lot of the things they needed to do uh did not address quarterback which again is kind of weird especially with some of the guys that were still on the board in the seventh round Mm -hmm. i don't know you you like their three fifth round picks i apologize the fifth round not seventh round you really like their three fifth round picks but i think again there's something they could have done but if this is the way the board shakes out, this is the board way it shakes out. 
I don't think those offensive linemen are going to do too much if they can do anything that's that's a positive, and we'll see what happens. Tight end is going to be an interesting position. Uh, I would say do <laughs> not draft any Bears tight ends in your fantasy football drafts. I think nope. that's very important and pretty easy. So moving forward, we have the Minnesota Vikings. They added Michael Pierce, uh, and they lost a lot. They lost Trey Wayne, Livall Joseph, Mackenzie Alexander, Xavier Rhodes, Andrew Sanejo, Everson Griffin, still potentially, and they traded away uh, Stephon Diggs. Got that first round pick, got a fourth as well, if I'm not mistaken. There, there's some swapping in there. But moving, I mean, this is now two years in a row, essentially. The Vikings just have this mass exodus from their defense. Uh-huh. Obviously, they need more of these defensive pieces, but moving into the draft, I mean, like, is there which of the positions are most important in, in your mind moving forward? They they needed corners like the, you just you just mentioned all the players that they just lost like you and it was all guys they drafted in the first or mm-hmm. second round like Trey Waynes, Mackenzie Alexander, and Xavier Rhodes. Um, Xavier Rhodes was an All Pro corner two years ago, and all of a sudden he comes out last year and he just he was trash. He looks terrible and kind of weird. Why? Like, was there an injury that we don't know about? But also, if the Vikings didn't want to keep him, that says something more about mm-hmm. him than it does the Vikings. Yeah. Um. So clearly, it was his attitude, character. Who knows? Just kind of um, just speculating at this point, but um. And he goes and he signs a decent deal with the Colts. So we'll, we'll kind of see how he does there. But they they came in, they just they they let all their top corners go. And they they mm-hmm. drafted Mike Hughes out of Ch- Central Florida a couple of years ago. So bringing in all like the, and they drafted three corners in this draft. So it's just kind of like okay, one of them has to stick. Exactly. We still, yeah. we still need a slot guy also to come in. So it's like okay, cool. Let's just draft a bunch of corners and kind of see how they can do. <laughs> It's it's definitely interesting. You usually don't see that though, like that many pieces off of defense again two years in a row, especially from like one position with Trey Waynes and Xavier Rose, Mackenzie Alexander. I think he's is he slot or is he safety? I don't I don't know off the top of my head. Sendejo. I mean, it's just Sendejo. crazy to see all of how that happens. And it, it is what it is. But they have, I mean, they have a million picks, and they were even able to take some of those picks and turn them into picks next year, which is always a good thing if you could do something like that. So. Coming in, uh, as they they traded away Stephon Diggs, so what did they do? They took that pick, if I'm not mistaken, and they turned it into Justin Jefferson, wide receiver, in uh, out of LSU. Everybody on that LSU team is now, that was draft eligible or eligible to play in the NFL, is there. And then the other two, I think, are going to be there next year, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, how did you feel he fits into the, the offense, and is he more of a comp? to Stefan Diggs or is he a different piece that they're going to be able to play with completely different pieces and mainly because Justin Jefferson played slot out of at LSU where um he had 111 catches last year 109 came out of slot mm-hmm. so clearly he doesn't have a whole lot of experience but also given that that wide receiver talent that they have there I understand why he was playing slot like he his is his, his his skill set matched what they mm-hmm. needed to do because you had Chase on the outside. You have Terrence Marshall um, also on the outside, Thaddeus Moss in the middle, and then Stephen Sullivan also kind of somehow got drafted over Thaddeus Moss. I still understand it, but um, the tight end position is an enigma and an enigma to me. Not um, the Bears, though. They The Bears, they, yeah, they got it. They know what they're doing. Um, but you bring Jefferson in. This is the spot I didn't see him going. I really saw Jefferson, Justin Jefferson going to the Eagles, becoming the slot receiver of the mm-hmm. future, and then kind of developing and seeing if they can kind of grow him on the outside. He goes to the Vikings, who they only play two wide receiver sets. So you have Adam Thielen on one side, and then you have now Justin Jefferson on the other side. So there's not going to be a slot wide receiver. So they're definitely, they, they, they must have already had some ideas in mind with Justin Jefferson, or at the same time, do they panic? And they're like, wait, why is Justin Jefferson here? Why is this talent here? Like he should have mm-hmm. gone sooner than this. He was projected uh, top twenty. I mean, granted, where they selected him, it wasn't far off of that. But um, they must have had him high enough at the board, and they must see something that they can kind of move him to the outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think again, I th- he was a product of a system that 
just had so much talent in it that I mean, if, you know, being the slot receiver in that offense is still pretty damn good. You know, what did you say? He had 109 catches. catches? That's uh, insane. That is insane. What that offense was able to do, obviously, is it doesn't make any sense. We're I mean, we're probably going to see it again because that's just how college football works. But the fact that they had that much insane talent and they were able to do as much as they did with it was pretty much just romping everyone along the way. Uh, it was interesting. So I always have liked Justin Jefferson. It's not like I know he really came on this year, but I'm pretty sure he was pretty decent the year prior as well. So it's not like he's just a one hit wonder in that sense. But we'll see. A lot of people did have him going to the Eagles and that was pretty much like on everybody's board at some point. And then all of a sudden they picked Jalen Rager. So he's able to drop that one extra spot. And I don't know, you know, as we were talking about it before, if they had him high on their board and they obviously needed they a tight uh, wide receiver, uh -huh. hey, why not take them, see what you can do. I mean, they think they're smart people over there. Uh, you know, I know they just lost Kevin Stefanski, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't know who exactly is going to be the uh, offensive coordinator there for the Vikings, but I definitely think it's they'll Gary, be capable. Gary Kubiak. Oh, really? Yeah. Weird. I mm -hmm. totally forgot about that. That's yep. he He's good friends he's with Mike Zimmer. So they have okay. always kind of, done that a little bit they've always kind of gone exactly it's definitely going to be something so I'm, I'm curious how that one works out and we'll uh we'll see what happens so then if i'm not mistaken they had the 25th overall pick mm -hmm. they were able to trade back with the packers yes Just yep. double check all right yep that is that's that's that pick in a in a couple uh they were able to trade back so then they were able to grab even more and they were still able to grab then a cornerback jeff gladney uh with the 31st overall pick out of tcu mm -hmm. Uh, big 12 defense, man. I mean, I love the big 12 and I don't watch the defense. I, I've never seen a cornerback cover a wide receiver at the Big Twelve. So, I mean, I don't know. Tell me, tell me about Gladney at a at a TCU. Yeah, I mean, he's a solid corner. Um, Mike Zimmer loves drafting corners, and then it, it's especially for how their defense is going to be shaping up this year. He loves drafting corners and then making them sit a year. And he's always done this. He's always had the corner come in, make them sit a year. It's kind of like the quarterback position to him, where they they need to kind of sit, get stronger, get bigger. Um, learn the game. Um, who do they sit? There's nobody on the team. That, we just said they got rid of everybody. That's what I was getting to. It's like, okay, all of a sudden, like you're drafting, you, they, they end up drafting three corner, three pretty good corners. Um, so that's like, okay, let's just throw all of them in there, have them battle it out in camp, and let's see which one the best one is. Because you still have Mike Hughes on the other side, who's a decent number two corner. If, if another uh, one of these corners can kind of step up and be the guy, great. Like you have another corner. And then once Mike Hughes's contract comes up, I think it's in a couple of years, um, they can let him walk in and Cameron Dancer, mm -hmm. one of the other corners that they drafted can kind of uh, just fill that gap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's it's definitely, it's interesting. Um, you know, they needed a wide receiver. They got one. They needed a cornerback. They got one with trading back. So they were able to grab some extra capital, which is always nice. So we'll see. Uh, I think, you know, again, I don't know too much about cornerbacks in the Big 12, but we'll see what happens. And I think it's something that can, uh, you know, again, they needed it. Mike Zimmer is much, much smarter than I am. So I'm sure he'll figure it out. Their first second round pick. Oh, their only second round pick. I apologize. They grab Ezra Cleveland offensive tackle out of Boise State. This was an interesting pick. A lot of people, for whatever reason, had Cleveland potentially going in the top 10 to the Browns <laughs> to go to Cleveland to Cleveland. I think that's the literal only yeah, reason. Yeah. Yeah. But dropping all the way to 58 and enough people had him with a, a fringe first round, potentially second round. Then I heard some people, they, they barely had him in their top 100. How did you feel about him and how do you think he'll he'll be able to to fit into the offensive line here? Yeah, he, he's a raw tackle coming out of Boise State. So I understand why there, 
there was no way he was going to go first round. It, mm-hmm. it was just because of the rumors that were swirling around him with the the love of the Bears, and all of a sudden the Jaguars were in love with him, and there were a couple of teams that were kind of thrown into the mix. Um, there were teams talking about trading back up into the first round to grab him just because he was like this incredible talent that everyone mm-hmm. saw, and then clearly that's not what everyone thought because he, he lasted all the way to where he did in the second round. Um, so especially with, with how this roster is constructed, like he, he's played left tackle at Boise State. All right, cool. They, they paid Riley Reef all that money um, to come in and be the guy. Great. So now you have Ezra Cleveland to come in, kind of develop a little bit, kind of not, I'm not going to say city year just because offensive mm-hmm. linemen, the, the way the, the position is that those guys are always going down. They're always getting mm-hmm. hurt. You need solid depth behind, especially left tackle um, for a guy like Kirk Cousins, who doesn't actually feel pressure well from the backside. Um so with him, you have a guy that's immediately going to come in and step up in front of Riley Reef. And it, even if the way the season goes, and if, I mean, knock on wood, if we get the training camp and everything, um, maybe Cleveland starts over Riley Reef. He becomes a trade piece or a cuttable piece, save mm-hmm. some money, kind of do whatever they need to do. Or worst case, you have a great experienced backup, uh, yeah. a guy who can also play right tackle as well. So uh, it was a solid pick for them that um, given the spot where they took him, it just makes it look that much better. Yeah. Yeah. Again, I think that's, that's one of the things about the draft. It is need, but it's also value. And if you can marry those two things together, that's great. But if there's one position that I will always, always say you want the most depth possible, it's offensive line in any way, shape or form, the most offensive lineman you can have the most likely better your team's going to be because one of those guys will be able to beat out some of the others. So it's going to the third round They're the 25 pit 25th picks 89th overall Cameron Dantzler out of Mississippi state. Mm-hmm. He apparently was, very polarizing when it came to a lot of people i guess he's very long but not very big if that makes sense i mean tell me how you think like and how is he specifically different than gladney the the cornerback that they already took yeah so dancer's a better cover quarter in my opinion um he he has this build of being like six two but like 190 pounds but from what everyone says from mississippi state um is he is strong at the point of attack. He's very mm-hmm. strong when he comes up attack. So it's not like he's coming out there as like this, this string bean, so to speak. Um, but he, he's pretty well built to play corner, um, has the ability to blitz off of the end, which, uh, I mean, Mike Zimmer, if, if, if there's one guy, if there's one defensive mind in the, in the league that loves blitzing corners mm-hmm. more, it's, it's Mike Zimmer. Um, mm-hmm. So they, they, in Cameron Dancer and Gladney, the two of the guys that they drafted, two guys that can kind of blitz off of the corner. So it just kind of adds to the, the, the chess pieces that, that Mike Zimmer loves to use with those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, they needed it. They lost two. Um, and so they're grabbing two. I mean, you can't really rely on rookies, especially now we're getting into the third round. You can't quite rely on them, but it's definitely something that it's, uh, it's pretty important to have somebody there to play. I think that part is, uh, it's definitely something. So we'll mm-hmm. see what happens. So moving on to the fourth round now. And again, this is when it starts to get crazy because I think <sighs> they have 10 picks, one, two, three, four, Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, maybe picks. I don't know. I might have miscounted from the fourth round on. So I don't think we need to touch on every single one of these guys, but yeah. we'll, we'll go round by round. So fourth round, 117 overall, DJ Wanham, defensive end out of South Carolina, mm-hmm. 130 overall, James Lynch, defensive end slash tackle out of Baylor, 132 overall, a couple of picks later, Troy Dye, inside linebacker out of Oregon. So the theme here is defense. How mm-hmm. do these three guys, two of them being defensive linemen, one being an inside linebacker, how do you feel that Mike Zimmer will be able to utilize them properly in this defense? They they did phenomenal in the fourth round here. You you grabbed three guys who are um, 
players that will play immediately. Mm-hmm. Whether even if they're not starting, they're going to be rotational guys that are going to mm-hmm. come in, especially with the way we use defensive linemen today. Um, anyway, um, so DJ Wanham, um, he, he's a he's more of an edge rusher, like 6'3", 280 pounds, two hundred seventy five pounds, give or take. Um, he's a two time captain, three year star in the SEC. Perfect, prolific, uh, awesome. prolific. Yeah, exactly. Everything you kind of want to see. Um, and obviously, he produced while he was there. Then you mm-hmm. go to James Lynch at, at Baylor all-time sacks leader at Baylor. He's going to play the three technique. So he obviously he won't be getting all those sacks while he was there. Um, but you know what, when he has 13 and a half sacks last year and 19 and a half tackles for a loss, that's pretty incredible for a guy that was playing like a big, de- uh, a small defensive tackle position. Mm-hmm. He was like a quicker guy that was able to, to utilize his speed to beat the guard on the inside and get to the, to the quarterback or whoever had the ball in the backfield. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, then you go back in the fourth round, still in the fourth round and you grab Troy Dye. Troy Dye, a guy knows the ball running all over the field, led Oregon and tackle every single year. He was there four straight years. And he looks and plays just like Anthony Barr, who was one of Mike Zimmer's favorite players. Mm-hmm. Um, Barr obviously is still there. So he's going to learn from a position uh, and a guy that he said he admired when he was, you know, when he was coming up. Um, so they, they did phenomenal here in the fourth round. Yeah. I mean, if you can, again, as you said, like with, they don't have to start, but if they can be a part of that rotation, especially on the defensive line and doing something along those lines, figuring out a way to utilize an, uh, an inside linebacker, especially if it's someone that does remind, as you said, Mike Zimmer of Anthony Barr, one of his favorite players. I think, again, that's three phenomenal picks that they could roll with. Uh, in the fifth round, they have 169 overall Harrison Hand, another cornerback out of Temple. 176 overall, KJ Osborne, wide receiver out of Miami. So again, going cornerback, wide receiver. We already saw that once so far in this draft. How do you feel about these two guys in the fifth round, and how do you think they can come in to uh, to start playing sooner rather than later? Yeah, I was a little confused because Harrison has more of a scheme quarterback. and they, uh, From what a lot of people were saying is that he was more of like a cover three corner, um, a guy that's going to kind of... I don't know, cover a third of the field because he's not the mm. fastest, he's not the biggest, not the strongest. Um, a guy who will kind of stay in his zone and really guard his spot to to a key. Um, so I think at that point, it was more of like a depth pick, um, especially mm. for how, how few corners they had on their roster than they yeah. needed to add talent quickly, um, especially because they, they are in win now. Mm-hmm. Um, with, with the way... Um, Kirk Cousins deal is set up. They, they, they have to find a way to, to get further into the playoffs, push towards the Super Bowl because they have a talented team. They just have to, I don't know, just, just find a way to win it. I mean, they um, were in the NFC championship game mm-hmm. three years ago, right? Yep. They you know, just so. have to get there, have to get there. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you're not justifying Kirk Cousins' contract with, yeah. with how it's, uh, everything's fully guaranteed. Um, and then KJ Osborne, he was a transfer, um, played pretty well on a Miami team. It was like 50 catches for like 850 yards, five touchdowns. Um, and from, I don't know, just a Miami team that wasn't very great last year. Um, mm-hmm. uh, a, he's, he's more of a return specialist. So you're kind of just adding to depth, a little bit of a different player. He, he's, I'm not going to say he's more like Stefan Diggs, but he's more of an explosive wide receiver mm-hmm. than Justin Jefferson, who was a slot obviously coming out. But um, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see what Osborne can, can add to this roster. And as you said, they don't need a million wide receivers because they play a lot of two tight end sets and they're probably going to have, um, you know, Dalvin Cook doing most of the work anyway. But I still think it's, again, you know, just it's nice to have some depth there. It's nice to get some players in and see what happens. So uh, the sixth and seventh round picks go through these pretty quick because they're sixth and seventh round picks. Mm-hmm. Uh, 203 overall in the sixth round, Blake Brandell, offensive tackle out of Oregon State. 205 overall in the sixth round, Josh Metellus, safety out of Michigan. 225 overall in the seventh round, Kenny Willickis, defensive end out of Michigan mm-hmm. State. 
seventh round again, 244 overall, Nate Stanley out of Iowa, 249 overall, Brian Cole, the second safety out of Michigan state and 253 overall Kyle Hinton. So while they had a lot of picks, three of them are literally in the last 11 overall. Mm -hmm. So I guess it's something, um, do you see any of these guys making cracking the roster? I mean, like that's an important part of this too. If you have 14 picks, 15 picks, not everybody can make the roster. Yeah. Um, Kenny Wilkes is one of my favorite players coming out this year. He was a uh, he was a walk on, showed up at Michigan State, 6'2", 220 pounds as a linebacker. Left Michigan State, it's like two hundred seventy pounds. So he put on like fifty pounds of. I'm only going to assume it's muscle coming out mm-hmm. of Michigan State. And he he, what did he leave as the all time uh, tackle for loss leader with with fifty one? Um, he's a guy that. He's one of those, uh, I forget which, which draft guy talks about. He's a lunch pail guy. Comes in every yeah. day, works his ass off, comes in, and he's just going to just do everything he can to make this team and find a way to, to make the starting roster. Especially with the way their um, their right defensive end position looks. You have Afedi Oganigbo. I honestly don't even know who he is. And obviously, uh, Anthony Zettel, a pretty decent player out of uh, San Francisco. But Kenny Wilkie, I very likely see a situation where he's the starting right defensive end in the, in the in this uh, at that slot mm-hmm. that's that's crazy i mean you get someone that late and have them as you said you know most of these guys just having them be in the rotation is a good thing i mean having them as a a seventh round defensive starter off the bat that is that's insane but hey yep. i guess we'll see what happens so that the vikings i think i mean it's hard to say they did bad because they had a million picks right like mm-hmm. and they did the two things that they needed grab grab a good wide receiver and then grab some cornerbacks and everything else on top of it i think is uh it's gravy at that point yep yep no they 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 address their needs. They did everything they needed to. Um, I, I don't understand the Nate Stanley pick. I, I thought he was not very good at Iowa. Um, so, and then like oh, some of the other players that they drafted again, just more of just depth position, especially because yep. Anthony Harris is potentially on the outs. But we're kind of waiting to see what's going on with their, with their safety there. Um, so they drafted two guys who could potentially fill the void or at least add depth to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. Um, I don't know. They'll probably be in the playoffs. They'll probably beat the Saints in heartbreaking fashion, and then they'll probably lose to a team that's just better than them. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, the last team, we did save this for the absolute last team in our entire NFL draft breakdown, which I'm excited for. We have the Packers. Free agents, they added a couple guys, Christian Kirksley, Ricky Wagner, Devin Funches. okay, I guess. Um, and then they lost Blake Martinez, Brian Balaga, Jimmy Graham, and Kyle Frackler. Fra- mm-hmm. Frack- Fackerel. Thank you. <laughs> I have to get used to it because he's on the Giants now. So a couple of those guys, the two linebackers, Blake Martinez and Kyle Fackerel, went yeah. to the Giants. Uh, Brian Balaga, I went to the – where did he go? I can't remember off the top of my uh, – Chargers? St- he stayed in the A's. Somewhere weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I believe it's the Chargers. Whatever. And then uh, Jimmy Graham, that's kind of uh, addition by subtraction. So what do they need? Justin, what do you think? They uh, very clearly need a quarterback play. <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> obviously they need a quarterback. I think we all knew that going into it. Um, yeah. And hey, they did something, right? Yeah. So, I mean, in all sincerity, they 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 needed they needed wider. They need skill position players. Um, Aaron Jones's contract is up at the end of this year. So, uh, considering the phenomenal season he put together last year and the very good season he put together the year before that, um, a guy that. Uh, you're going to kind of look towards as a future building block of this team, granted, because he hasn't gotten a whole lot of touches. So it's not like his, mm-hmm. his knees are worn down, his body isn't beat up too much. Um, he has had a little bit of an injury history. So we'll, I guess maybe that's one of the reasons why they, they took a, a running back in the second round, but um, they really need wide receivers. Like just give Aaron Rodgers some talent. He's thrown one touchdown pass uh, to a player drafted in the first round. And that's Mercedes Lewis. And he threw it last year. Mercedes mm-hmm. Lewis was drafted 14 years ago by the Jaguars. That's really, that's really the guy that you're going to like, 
I don't know. It, I think I think that stat's better. I think it's better that he has one touchdown to someone zero. than zero because of the fact that it's someone that was drafted 14 years ago in the first yeah. round. That's what makes the stat even better. And that's it's ridiculous. But yeah, we everybody and their mom knew. My mom knew. Your mom knew that they needed wide receivers. And what did they do? Of course, they didn't draft a wide receiver. They brought in Devin Funches, who was OK, I think, for like one game in Carolina. So mm-hmm. I don't know, man. It made no sense. So, of course, with their first first round pick, they trade up. 26 overall. We already know it. Jordan Love, Utah at a, or damn it, I screwed it up. Jordan Love, quarterback <laughs> at a Utah State. You were in love with him. Yeah. You absolutely loved everything about him. Yep. Derek was not the biggest fan, but how stupid of a pick is this? It's it's all time. Like uh, I don't understand. Like Aaron Rodgers, I get it. He turns, I think he turns 36 in December. So 36, like, you're still yeah. getting you're still getting some good years out of him, especially with how long some of these quarterbacks are playing. It doesn't even look like he's falling apart. Like I, I understand that he's had a little bit of an injury history, and you need some depth behind him. But it doesn't mean that you should trade up to grab a quarterback that no one saw as a first round talent, other than I guess myself. Um, like no one else was like I, they were they they came out and said they were scared of the Colts trading up to the first round. Adam Schefter went on a podcast yesterday and said there was no way that. Colts were trading up to the first round, especially not to take a quarterback. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if they scared themselves into believing that they need to go up and grab the quarterback, but I get it. When the Chiefs traded all that, all those, all that up to grab Patrick Mahomes, it was looked at as a dumb pick. Mm-hmm. Everyone looked at him like, okay, you, you're grabbing this guy with great arm talent, but it, we just haven't seen it playing in a Big Twelve, playing that 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 pass that pass friendly offense. I, I just don't see it. Um, but I see a lot of Jordan Love in him. It's mainly because I see the arm talent. The, the mm-hmm. accuracy isn't there. Um, there's a, the Mechanics-wise, he's not near what Mahomes is right now. Um, but you know what? He's going to have a couple years to kind of sit and watch. But my worry is Aaron Rodgers gonna, is going to force his way out of there. Um, I really, I really hope he doesn't go to the Patriots. And I understand what the Packers could get for him. And if you think about it, if you kind of take a step back and you look at like, okay, you have an injury prone quarterback, a guy who hasn't played a full season in a couple of years. He's been, he's been, he's been banged up. I mean, it could be the fact that his wide receivers are never open. So he has to extend the plays all the time and try and do something miraculous to get the ball down the field just to get a first down. Um, so I, I'm not sure exactly what they're going to do with Jordan love. Like, do you, do you have him sit for a couple of years? Just, just like Aaron Rodgers did Aaron Rodgers. From what everything everyone's already said, he's already reached out to Jordan Love. He's already congratulated him. He's, he's going to take him under his wing and do whatever he needs to do. He's not going to teach him everything that he knows because he doesn't want him taking his spot. It's a, it's a competition at 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 the end of the day. Like it's his job. He doesn't mm-hmm. want a guy to come in and take his job. Nor does anyone want that in their position in in their life. Um, so I, I dumb pick, even dumber that they traded up for him, but. In three years, we can't exactly. we, we can't bash them now for it because in three years, if Jordan Lung comes out and he looks all of a sudden like Patrick Mahomes, everyone's going to be praising it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, right now, it looks bad. It looks bad. I think if they waited and drafted him where they were, which I think 30 or 31 overall, mm-hmm. I think everyone's like, okay, you know, whatever. That makes sense. But the fact that they traded up and they lost capital mm-hmm. to not then be able to go grab one of those wide receivers, which is just another conversation. I think that's like another just blunder from this draft. I think trading up for Jordan Love was a dumb idea. Mm -hmm. So I think taking him was a dumb idea. Not really. I think Aaron Rodgers signed his four-year contract two years ago. So he has two years left on his deal, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. Um, And he gets paid an absurd amount of money. We've seen that most of the teams that win, their quarterback is on a rookie deal. Not to say that Jordan Love is going to be great and they're going to have that opportunity, but paying a quarterback 30-something million dollars isn't, it's, 
it's just not a the best way to win. I mean, look at all the teams. Aaron Rod, Jimmy Garoppolo is only making twenty million, which was a ridiculous amount at the time, and now it's a bargain. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Mahomes obviously was making like two million. He was in this third or fourth. He was in the third year of a five-year rookie deal. So, from that standpoint, again, I it's I can justify it. I can't justify trading up for it because mm-hmm. again, you were in the NFC Championship game last year. The biggest thing you did not have was a wide receiver and you could not grab a wide receiver. It just makes absolutely no sense to me. And again, self-awareness, like we were talking about with Robert Quinn flipping coins and then telling us about it, Mm -hmm. the self-awareness from the Packers brass GM, you know, coach, whoever made that pick, it just doesn't make sense to me that they would go and do something like that. And I think, I don't know, it's just, I don't think they're going to trade them. I, you know, I I think, you know, in, in fantasy football, you could get, a lot for him in fantasy, you know, Madden, let's call it, you could get a lot for him, but the fact that he's 36 going to be 37. Cause I don't think he's getting traded this year. The fact that he's owed 30 something million dollars a year. I just don't think that that's going to be possible. And I think, you know, in, in two years, I would not be surprised if Jordan love is the starting quarterback for the Packers. And we're all like, Oh, this was, this was something. Cause as you said, they traded a lot for Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Now where the chiefs as close as the Packers, I don't think is Alex Smith anywhere nearly as good as Aaron Rodgers. No, no. not really. But it's still just one of those things where it just makes zero sense. Mm-hmm. And the fact they compounded it by not drafting a single wide receiver in one of the deepest wide receiver drafts in recent history. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it was dumb, but whatever. If I could play devil's advocate, though, yeah. if you kind of go into the season, you, you they, they play the season out. Um, it sounds like Jordan Love starts to progressing and then they really love what he's able to do in practice. Maybe towards the end of the season, if he gets a game in there, we'll see how he does in training camp preseason games. If Aaron Rodgers comes out, and all of a sudden, they're like, you know what? We're going to trade him. We want three first-round draft picks. All of a sudden, I don't know, a, a team like the Jaguars next year was like, you know you know what? Let's go for it. Let's grab Aaron Rodgers. We'll get three possible four years out of him. We'll kind of see what he does. Here's three first-round draft picks. One's probably a guaranteed top-five pick. Uh, another one is probably, I don't know, the Rams' top-25 pick. And then, obviously, the Jaguars' following season, which they'll, they'll probably suck, so it'll be early again, mm-hmm. even with Aaron Rodgers, hypothetically, as their quarterback. The Packers could do a lot with that. And if they don't need a quarterback, they would have a top five pick mm-hmm. and a very deep draft coming out next year. You have a guy like Jamar Chase that you could take very early. Um, and all of a sudden, you can kind of keep adding to that. And then they go into next season. It's like, okay, we have Jordan Love, a quarterback. We have Jamar Chase, a wide receiver. They draft a left tackle because um, the left tackle is pretty deep next year as well. Um, and They could really put together a, a team that Matt LaFleur wants to run the ball. He he wants to 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 just run the ball down your throat, mm-hmm. and that's not what Aaron Rodgers does. But also at the same time, you take your players and you put them in the best position to succeed. Mm-hmm. Aaron Jones looked great last year, and whether it was Matt Lafleur's scheme or not, um, the fact that Aaron Rodgers, your quarterback, is taking off a hell of a lot on, on his shoulders just because you're you're constantly having to guard the deep middle of the field, just because mm-hmm. you, you can't have Aaron Rodgers beat you with an 85 yard touchdown pass. We've seen that happen to many teams. The Packers uh, have done that to the Cowboys. They've done it to the Bears. I'm sure they've done it to many other. The Lions, they did it to the Giants. So it it, it happens. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's not too surprising. And Jamal Williams was pretty good last year when he was on the field as well. So I think Matt LaFleur, obviously, coming out of San Francisco, if I'm not mistaken, um, you know, coming out of that same kind of Kyle Shanahan running offense, it looks like. It makes sense. And does it make sense to them pay a quarterback $35 million a deal and take up that much of the cap? I don't know. I don't think so, but at the same time, it's Aaron Rodgers. So mm-hmm. how, how how do you say no to that? So we'll see. I don't know. It's it's interesting. And if you think, again, self-awareness, if the Packers get three first-round draft picks and they spend a top-five pick on a wide receiver, man, that would be 
hysterical. And yeah. I do think Jamar Chase is that damn good. We saw him win the um the Bl- Blinikoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Cool. I got it right this time. Um, best wide receiver in college football. If they then draft him with one of the picks that they traded for mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers, that's just that is insult to injury right there. So moving on, um, pick sixty-two overall, second round, AJ Dillon, running back out of boxing college Mm -hmm. they didn't need a running back as you said but then again aaron jones will be his contract's coming up he was only on a four-year deal and i mean we'll see what happens i don't know how it's gonna work but how do you feel about aj Dillon? i know he was great there's been a couple really good running backs come out of boston college recently that have done absolutely nothing Mm -hmm. in the nfl so how do you think he might fare in the packers offense i've loved aj Dillon for years and like he's put up some very good stats i get that he was playing at boston college he wasn't playing the greatest competition but you know what for a guy that's 250 pounds six foot tall run a four five three forty and jumped a 41 inch vertical that's that's insane numbers for a guy of his stature the knock on him is he does not catch well he has Mm -hmm. stone hands but you know what derrick henry came into the league if you have if you have a chance of drafting derrick henry in that position why not take a guy like that he's gonna kind of get a year because you're gonna you're gonna feed aaron jones a lot Mm -hmm. you're gonna feed jamal williams he's not gonna play a whole lot he is gonna come down on third and one fourth and one and goal line and that's 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 a that's a key area that they struggled in last year like they need someone to just push that ball into the end zone Mm -hmm. And you're getting a great guy to do it. Um, so he, he, he's going to come in and he's going he's gonna to kind of be the next guy. He's going to be the next man up. He's going to come in, just going to be the the running back that will, I guess, be the heir apparent. I mean, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll kind of see if, if, if the Packers can find a way to get Aaron Jones cheap. Granted, if he has a good year, stays healthy, then you're going to yeah. pay him. But then this pick looks dumb. Um, so because you basically just drafted a running back, uh, a fullback in the second round. Mm-hmm. And it's it's. You know, I was talking about it. I can't remember who I was talking about it with. It was in one of these other draft breakdowns where they're they're already drafting for the future, mm-hmm. right? Like with their first two picks, I mean, you were just in the NFC Championship game. What did you need? A wide receiver in any capacity. What did you lose? You lost Brian Balaga, one of the best uh, tackles that you've had in, in recent history. I mean, they've had a lot of good ones and he's been pretty damn good. So losing him as well. So you might need someone on the offensive line as well. So you go with a quarterback and a running back. Quarterback, someone... Best case scenario, he doesn't see the the field in three years. Mm-hmm. Running back, overvalued or undervalued position. You have two that are good. Now, granted, I understand Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams are more alike each other mm-hmm. than they are like AJ Dillon. But it's just so far so confusing. That's really all I can say. And again, as you said, heir apparent, like, all right, that's that's great. But it's one thing if you were a fringe playoff team. It's one thing if you, you know, made it and it was kind of a nice story. But to to start looking for heir apparents. A couple years down the road when, when you were in the nfc championship game nfc championship <laughs> game it just doesn't make any sense to me i just don't get it so we'll mm-hmm. see what happens you have a stat here 40 touchdowns in three years that's freaking insane yep. um so that is definitely something interesting so wait, wait thir- w- one more stat for yeah. him though mm-hmm. uh 150 150 plus rushing yards and 42 percent of his starts so half the games he Whoa. played in he ran for 150 yards that's insane once again, you're you're go, you're yeah. looking at the ACC. You're looking mm-hmm. at a guy who is an absolute freak of nature, running back, and a guy who they constantly fed the ball. Um, so he was getting his touches. But you know what? When you have a big guy that big, all you have to do is just find a way to give him a little bit of daylight, and just he's going to run over these defensive backs. I don't know. I'm I'm out on defense or on running backs out of Boston College, <laughs> the Giants. I was all about Andre Williams when he came out, and he was mm-hmm. a complete. I mean, he was a fourth round, so he's not a bust, but he sucked. So mm-hmm. that is is something pretty. And 81 missed tackles as well. That's pretty mm-hmm. impressive. So he knows what he's doing. I mean, it's it's definitely something. So third round, 94 overall, still need a wide receiver, and they take a fullback, as you said, a glorified <laughs> fullback with their second round pick, and they take an actual fullback slash tight end. 
with their third round pick out of Cincinnati, Josiah Degara. Yeah, Degara. That's a nice name. I don't know, man. What what's going on? I don't get it. And you know what? He's 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 stout at run. He's stout at pass catching. Like he's he's a decent tight end, fullback, H type, H back. However, they're going to use him, but. Like you have Mercedes Lewis, so you have a blocking tight end. You drafted Jay Sternberger last year, who's another on the line tight end. So why are you taking a fullback here, especially when you just drafted AJ Dill? Like what? None of these picks make sense. None of these picks. No one would ever. No one would ever take a quarterback that you're looking to start in three years. No one would take a running back that you would look to start in two years that is a glorified fullback. No one in the right mind would take a fullback. fullback in the third round, like, what are you doing? Like this guy could have fell to the fifth or sixth round. You could have easily gotten him there. And that would have been the best pick that you guys took because you took an actual skill position that could possibly help Aaron Rodgers. But if they're actually going to use him as a fullback, what the hell does that help? Like, how does that help this offense? You just, are they trying to find ways to mimic the 49ers and just create like these uh, incredible run schemes where Aaron Rodgers is going to throw the ball 10 to 15 times a game? Like, no, like that's not how this offense should work, but you know what? There's a reason they make more money than mm-hmm. I do, and there's a reason they're in the positions that they are. But I, I mean, I'm just going to critique it until they prove me wrong. Exactly, and it's it's you know again we were talking about it coming from Kyle Shanahan's offense, Mike Shanahan's offense, that zone run blocking scheme. Maybe that is what he wants to do. Maybe he's just saying like, okay, this is the this is what I inherited, and this is how I'm going to slowly make my way to getting this to be exactly what I want it to be. And you know, that's definitely a, an opportunity. It's definitely a possibility, and. I don't know who's making the picks, whether it's um, the GM, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, or if it's Matt LaFleur, but it doesn't make sense. The fact that you ever take a fullback really in a draft is insane to me because I feel like they're, I'm not going to say a diamond dozen, but there's the 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 difference, the standard deviation, mm-hmm. the margin is not that much from the best one to you know the 10th best one, in my opinion, considering what they're going to do. They're going to block and they're going to catch a ball as a trick play, as a gadget every once in a while. So mm-hmm. doesn't really make sense to me. It is what it is. So then they didn't have a fourth round pick because they traded it up to go grab Jordan Love with the 26th overall pick. So then a couple, uh, they have one fifth round pick, 175 Kamal Martin, linebacker out of Minnesota, mm-hmm. still needed a wide receiver. In the sixth round, they have 192 <laughs> overall, John Runyon, guard out of Michigan. That one actually makes sense. Uh, sixth round again, a couple more sixth rounder. 206 overall, Jake Hansen, center out of Oregon, and 209. So back to back, Simon Stepanek, mm-hmm. guard out of Indiana. Uh, still need a wide receiver, but they go linebacker, guard, center, guard. Tell me about these guys. How do they fit? And, you know, as you were saying before, especially with these offensive linemen. Yeah, so so they they had a needed inside linebacker. They run that three four scheme, so they they need four linebackers, um, and, and they're pretty set at linebackers. But they needed one more inside guy, and Kamal mm-hmm. Martin's going to kind of fill that gap. Yeah, uh, flies so, around yeah, the field, lo- losing Blake Martinez and Kyle Frackler. Yes, exactly. Yes, yes. Yeah, so, so you so you need a guy to step up, uh, and you're 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 grabbing a pretty good guy to Minnesota. Uh, then you draft John Runyon. Um, this is about the spot that he was going to go. His father played for the Eagles, so he has that pedigree. Um, he had that toughness at Michigan and constantly playing hurt. He played uh, he played right tackle, he played right guard, he played left guard. So he played all over. So like he can really um, he, he can kind of be that that Packers chess piece mm-hmm. um, where you can kind of move him around if if, if someone goes down. Um, then they 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 drafted Jake Hansen, who I guess they were once again looking towards the future a little bit because Corey Lindsley has been a pretty good center for them over the years, and I understand that his contract expires, but so whatever centers aren't that expensive though they aren't but 
with the way the roster is shaken up and with how much Aaron Rodgers is taking of that salary cap, you're always kind of mm-hmm. a little strapped. Exactly. Yep. Um, and then Stepaniak, uh, just another guy. He he played right tackle at Indiana. Sounds like they're going to move him to guard. So just another depth piece pick. And hey, you need depth off the offensive line. I will shout that from the mountaintops. You always need that. Seventh round, two more chances to draft mm-hmm. a running back. And they take 236 overall, Vernon Scott safety out of TCU, and 242 overall, Jonathan Garvin edge out of Miami. How do you think these, I mean, they always need help on defense, I feel like, uh, in the yeah. Packers uh, in, in Green Bay. How do you think these guys, is it mostly just depth at this point? Yeah, so it's just depth. I mean, Vern Scott, it's nice with him because he can kind of play a little bit of free safety. He can play slot corners. So you can move him around depending on what you kind of need that week or depending injuries, that kind of stuff. Just because the way Lambeau's field is, the players are always constantly getting hurt. Um, and then Jonathan Garvin, just another guy. They, they needed another rush outside linebacker uh, when they lost Fackerel. Um, so it's just a guy to come in, just add depth to uh, a position. But you know what? When you need wide receiver, you have one. you had one need in this entire draft. And you just completely went against it like why'd you mm-hmm. wh- why would they come into this thinking like no you know we're pretty so with, uh, with valdez scantling um and some of these and, and devin funches at wide receiver i understand i understand you have Devontae adams yes but he's getting double covered and mm-hmm. you can see aaron Rodgers' frustration when he's when he's rolling out to his right and he's looking for someone to get open and adams who was hurt last year so there was no one to throw to and he's just like okay what the hell do i do now I mean, it was fun watching Jordy Nelson in his prime and Devontae Adams on his come up. I mean, that was a fun team to watch because Aaron Rodgers is just slinging the ball. And maybe maybe this is the Packers way of saying I'm some reports came out and I'm not going to I'm not even going to entertain them. But maybe this is the way of just saying like, hey, we're actually just going to run the ball. Mm-hmm. We know because we have Devontae Adams, he's going to get double teamed. And we know because we have Aaron Rodgers, you assume we're going to throw the ball 100 times. But we're actually just going to run the ball. And they did a pretty good job at running the ball last year. Um, it's just when it comes down to it, if you have no wide receivers, it's ridiculous. There's really nothing you can do, and you still need them to do something to make sure that you can be a complete team, and that's unfortunately not something that they're interested in. Maybe Devontae Adams comes back, or he's going to come back. Hopefully yeah. he's healthy all year, and I think that'll be pretty big. I know Jeronimo Allison is gone, if I'm not mistaken. He mm-hmm. went off to like Detroit or something. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. He went somewhere. Um so you have Mar- Marquez Valdez Scantling. I feel like there's like one more guy. Equinemius St. Brown. Okay. And, and, and a kid that, that a lot of people have liked and that I, I, I got to watch also was Al Mozart at Iowa State uh, last year. He, mm-hmm. and he, he's, he was a pretty good uh, yep. wide receiver for the Jaguars. Last year, the Jaguars kind of looked at their wide receiver positional group. Like, okay, you know what? We're okay with what we have right here. Let him go. Went. Found a, found a home with the Packers and, and played pretty well for being an undrafted free agent. So mm-hmm. um, he, he could obviously be a, a sneaky fantasy pick just because Adams is going to get his he, he's yeah. going to get his targets, but he's going to be double covered a lot. So yeah. there is going to be there is going to be another wide receiver that's going to need to step up. We kind of kept saying MVS last year, Val, Valdez mm-hmm. Scantling, he was going to be the guy, be the guy, be the guy. And he just wasn't. And Devin Funch is just I don't know, whatever. Tall, slow, and fat. Like that's that's that's, that's a terrible wide receiver that like body type that you want to have. So we'll see what happens. I don't know. Again, they needed one thing. They didn't address it. They didn't need a couple things. So of course they addressed those. Um, I don't know. I'm not going to ask for a grade, but man, how do you think the Packers did in their, uh, in their 2020 draft? Uh, without like the three year outlook and just kind of having that knowledge mm-hmm. of the future and really looking at it. I mean, this is, this was the worst draft out of everyone that drafted this year. Like you didn't draft the needs that you had, or you waited way too long in the offensive mm-hmm. line. So you didn't draft anything that you actually needed um, early enough to actually make it an instant impact on your team. Instead, exactly. it was like, okay, LaFleur came in. He's like, this is my team. I'm going to get the guys that I want right now. And Aaron Rodgers is like, 
okay, now now what do I do? How am I supposed to do this with the same offense from last mm-hmm. year, which we saw how how good it can be. You just need another receiver. Mm-hmm. Just need one more receiver, and they couldn't even get one of those. So overall, uh, this was a lot of fun, so thank you for doing it. How do you think the division shakes out this year uh the lions they were very bad last year probably going to be very bad again the bears are just crazy i want them to be good because i think it would be hysterical um storyline they'd just be funny the vikings got significantly better through the draft but lost a lot through free agency and the packers are just weird um so how do you think i mean what how do you think the division shakes out next year uh, it's going to be the vikings and the packers kind of vying for that top position um they're, they're they're both kind of bringing the same talent forward. Like I understand the Vikings lost a lot of defensive pieces, specifically a defensive back. Um, so they're going to be very young in that position, which is not mm-hmm. a spot you want to be very yeah. young at, but you know what? You have three corners that you drafted early. There's other guys that will always make an instant impact. So, and, and Mike Zimmer is a great defensive mind. So he'll find ways to put them in, in, in good schemes. It sounds like LaFleur is taking control of the Packers. Uh, it's, he's like, this is it's my way or the highway. Get on and get off. We're, like th- You're going to do what I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, I mean, gone to the NFC Championship game last yep. year, so clearly they did As well a rookie, enough there. Right? Rookie head coach? Rookie head coach. Um, and then, we'll, we'll, I mean, yeah, I agree with the Lions. They're, they're whatever. But it, the X factor is going to be the Bears. Mm-hmm. Can Mitchell Trubisky take that next step? Is he going to put in all the effort? Granted, this is just a weird year with everything that's going on that – He's not yeah. going to have the time that he needs to grow with these guys. And was he actually really that hurt last year to the point where he wasn't able to use his legs to extend plays and do what he does best, which is, I, I'm sorry, that's not what he does best is run the ball. Like he's still a yeah. pretty good quarterback. There's a reason he's in the NFL, but something that, that greatly affects his game is his ability to use his legs. Mobility, so, exactly. Does he come in this year um, with that mobility still there? And all of a sudden it's like, okay, cool. Like we, we have an offense again with nine tight ends. Um so we'll see. Uh, I, I could definitely see the Packers being at the NFC Championship game again. I have a hard time seeing anyone getting past the Saints, but we've always, we've said that the last couple of years and mm-hmm. it hasn't panned out for them. Um, but the Bears, uh, that, that defense is disgusting. It's so freaking good. And they're just wasting like the Jaguars wasted 2017. And that's why they keep making all these the, these jokes about it. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, cool. Then they trade it for Nick Foles. The exact same thing that the Jaguars just did. Yep. Um, so. I don't know. Does does Nick Foles come in and, and make that team into a Super Bowl contender? No, I don't think so. I watched it firsthand. He's not a very good quarterback. But you know what? He could be a step up above Mitchell Trubisky, which exactly. maybe that's all they need. And you you said it before with the Bears. I mean, their their offense actually beat their defense because they couldn't stay on the field. They couldn't mm-hmm. score points. The defense is always under stress. That's not a great way to have a team. You want that defense flying. You want to be up by 10 points and let that defense just do whatever the hell they want to do. Will Mack. Exactly. And then you'll, you'll go absolutely to town there. I mean, Robert Quinn as well. We'll see. I think again, you made a good point. I don't think he's worth the money, but if it works with the cap, it works with the cap, bringing him in, just opposing Khalil Mack, you know, he's going to get most of the attention. So you need someone on the other side that can do something against one-on-one in most situations. So we'll see what happens. I know again, we have that third playoff spot and I think Mm -hmm. I've given it away to just about every team in the league at this point. <laughs> How do you think? I mean, I only think the Vikings and the Packers have a chance. I do not think we're getting two teams out of the AFC North, considering the AFC South is going to be stacked again. And the NFC, uh, I apologize, the NFC North, 
The NFC South is going to be stacked as well with Tom Brady down there, Drew Brees. And then you have the NFC West where Seattle just always finds a way. San Francisco's coming off the Super Bowl um, you know, when I honestly wouldn't be surprised if the Packers don't make the playoffs this year. Even with that extra spot, I think it's going to be way too competitive. I also wouldn't be surprised if this is the year of the NFC East where the Cowboys and the, the Eagles both say, no, we want to win 10 games instead of yeah. zero. Um, so, you know, we'll see what happens there. But do you see two teams coming out um, of, of this division this year? Or do you think it's most likely just one? If I put it at one and a half, what are you taking? I'll take the over just because we almost always see a team, two teams from the NFC North make it. And uh, obviously we're, we're going we're to fill the lines out of there just because I don't think they have enough talent to, to, to actually make an impact. The, that that Bears defense is legit. They they have a very good chance at replicating what they did two years ago, um, and really pushing forward as long as their quarterback can take a step up. If any of their quarterbacks can take a mm-hmm. step up, it could be who the hell knows. Um, I mean, you still have Aaron Rodgers as a quarterback. He's, exactly. he's phenomenal talent. I, I wonder if that locker room all of a sudden now gets divided. It's like okay, half a locker room's Lafleur, half of them is Aaron Rodgers. Mm-hmm. That's going to create a rift. You never want to do that. You never want to find a way to divide a locker room. And then the Vikings, I mean, they find a way to win. They, they Every they year they find a way to win 10 games, 11 games. Uh, we'll kind of see how the schedule comes out, and then we'll kind of start mixing and matching, kind of really seeing what they can do. But you know what? Dalvin Cook's a hell of a running back. Um, Kirk Cousins can still throw the ball pretty well. They have two pretty good, wide, two very good wide receivers, uh, especially now that they drafted uh, Justin Jefferson. And they, I mean, their, their, their biggest thing is going to come down to the, cor- the play of their mm-hmm. corners. They, they really need those corners to make a veteran impact on that team. Which is going to be hard. You know, as we said before, corner is one of the hardest positions to transfer, and it's not great to have an entire position group being <laughs> young. Again, watched it firsthand with the Giants last year, and it was not great. Granted, the rest of the defense for the Vikings is going to be much better. If they can get some pass rush, I mean, you can then, you know, it makes it a lot easier for the cornerback. So we'll see what happens. But Justin, this was awesome. Last one, we did all eight in 10 days. Kudos to you, Derek, Jared, Nick, Sean. Appreciate everyone coming on. Thank you all so much, Justin. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thanks, Mike.